Welcome to Bring Your Own Popcorn. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we force our opinions into your hearing holes. What we lack in education, we make up for with rants, raves, and rambles. I'm here today with a wonderful, fabulous, hilarious, and talented guest, San Francisco Bay Area comedian and current reigning champion of Doug Loves Movies podcast, (laughs) Chad Opitz. Thank you so much for being on, Chad. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I I, uh, appreciated those uh, rhymes and alliterations. (laughs) I'm so stoked to have you on because I follow your social media presence and I know that you are an avid movie fan. And so I was like, I can't believe I haven't asked you to be on sooner because you're always talking about movies. I am. That's a big uh, thing for me. And I I mean, it, it used to be more so. I mean, I'm still really into movies, but man, for a long time, it was like pretty much all I would do is like watch movies and uh, I knew all kinds of like completely useless movie facts and like I would literally read Leonard Malton movie guide or the movie ha- movie hound <laughs> uh, movie retriever books and like just absorb all of that information like who directed it who wrote it how long they were when it was made that's st- that sort of stuff when I was in high school people would literally just say a movie title and I would just try and remember as much as I could about the one that for some reason, commonly would get thrown at me was Jurassic Park because mm. I mean everyone everyone's seen that movie basically and mm-hmm. like so they'd be like okay Jurassic Park and I'd be like okay <laughs> it's Universal Pictures PG-13 127 minutes it was written by David Coop directed by Steven Spielberg music was by John Williams creature effects by Stan Winston so there's more but like <laughs> I, won't, I won't I would just rattle off stuff like that yeah people would be like and and then of course there'd be people like he doesn't know he's just saying that i'd be like well you check your uh video on golden retriever book before they could before they could look it up on imdb on their phone yeah i'm that old it's true (laughs) you were the imdb i was i was the i was the wikipedia page for my high school chad imdb opitz Mm -hmm. that actually has a really good ring to it yeah that should be my stage name, Chad IMDb Opitz. <laughs> it sounds like a, a very robotic yeah. Chad IMDb Opitz. <laughs> I love it. Damn it. I'm going to start calling myself that. That's Yeah. yeah I like give that. that note. Give that note to Doug Benson when you see him. Like when I he will. introduces you. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> to start us out, I'm going to ask you a few more questions about your relationship with movies. Kind of okay. dig into that. Now, a lot of our guests struggle to answer this question that I'm about to ask, but I have a feeling mm-hmm. that you're going to have a great memory on it. Oh, I hope. What was the first movie that you ever saw in the movie theaters? I think it was either Pippi Longstocking or Ernest Goes to Camp. Nice. And I can't, I can't remember which one. I think it must have been Ernest Goes to Camp. That came in 87. Pippi Longstocking came out in 88. But those were the two, first two movies that I saw in the movie theater for sure. Would you have been like five, six? I think I was four. I distinctly remember the opening a shot of him like hanging off of this like sign because he worked, you know, he works at the camp. He's a camp, a, a like janitor. Yeah. And he's hanging off of a sign and he fall, you know, there's a prat fall on him or just being like, oh my God, I, I love this already. Because there was like <laughs> this dumb physical comedy thing and I've always really, really been into physical comedy. And it was at a little like three screen theater in Gig Harbor, Washington, where I grew up. And I saw tons of movies there before it eventually got shut down. The Ernest movies, I remember seeing them as a kid, but I feel like weren't they kind of raunchy? Like was a four year old? No. The intended audience? Uh, I mean, other than like maybe some like fart humor, there was never any like sex jokes or anything like that. I don't even think he had any love interests in his movies, which is like a real rarity. Yeah, it is. Uh, really don't even remember. He definitely didn't have any in uh, Ernest Scared Stupid, which I, I, I saw that one in the theater on Halloween night when I was like eight, I think. And nice. We were my, fa- my, my family was the only people in the theater. Oh, how funny. Because <laughs> oh, everyone else was like trick-or-treating, right? Yeah. And then like, <laughs> maybe it wasn't even, it just wasn't that popular of a movie. I don't know. But that actually kind of became a tradition. I remember going to see movies on Halloween pretty frequently. I also remember seeing Stargate on Halloween night when I was 11. 
Oh, interesting. Was this an effort on your parents' behalf to keep you away from the hooligans on Halloween? I don't think so. Because, I, I mean, I, I've always loved Halloween, but I've also always loved going to the movies. And I think that there, if there was just a particular movie that I really wanted to see, it would just be kind of like an occasion thing where I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I'm, I'm so into movies. I'm, I've only been to Hawaii one time in my entire life. And two days when we were there, I went to go see the movie Kingpin. When I was 13 years old, I, I told my parents, I was like, I really want to see this movie. And they're like, Chad, we're in Hawaii. We're going to go to the beach. And I was like, I really want to see Woody Harrelson, Randy Quaid and Bill Murray, though. Yeah. And so I, I went to go see Kingpin and I loved it so much that I the next day, my family again was like, we're going to the beach, Chad. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to go see Kingpin again. <laughs> and they let me and like yeah. looking, looking back on it. I'm like, that's insane. And I probably made the wrong choice, but I really love that movie. And like at the time I didn't regret it, but now that I'm older and I'm like, wow, I've only been to Hawaii one time in my whole life. <laughs> and two of the days I spent a significant chunk of the day watching a movie that I could have seen when we got back from Hawaii. That's so funny. I just was that kind of kid though. I'd get really like, like if I really wanted something and I was like, I, I have, this is what I have to do. And my parents kind of understood that for some reason. And I do distinctly remember my mom being like, later on, you're going to wish that you hadn't done that. <laughs> and, you know, now I get it. I get totally get what she's saying. You know, in the moment I was like, I'm a, you know, I'm, I want to see this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think it's great in a couple ways. Like it shows just this incredible passion that you had for movies. And it's great that your parents were being supportive of that, even though like, they knew they were kind of letting you make a mistake, you know, which I think is a great parenting yeah. move. They would do that frequently. I like, I remember I said something about like wanting to try. So I was like, man, smoking looks really, really cool. I, <laughs> I, I would kind of like to try smoking. And my mom, my mom was like, okay. And so she bought a pack of cigarettes. Oh my God. And it was, and goes, give it a shot. And I took one puff and I threw the cigarette <laughs> And I literally have never smoked a cigarette since. That is impressive. That's that's so cool. Yeah. Thank God that you didn't like it, though, because what if you're like, yeah, this is Tr it's No, smooth. exactly. It, it could have backfired in a big way. <laughs> but I was going to say that was a really good segue because mm. the next question, not the cigarette thing, but <laughs> the <laughs> next the next question is, what was the first movie that you saw in theaters without any parents or supervising adults? And it sounds like it might have been the Hawaii trip, no? Well, the second day, my brother actually watched it with me because mm -hmm. I convinced him. I was like, my parents were again like, Chad, you're <laughs> and I was like, dude, you got to see this movie. It's so funny because we loved we both loved uh, Dumb and Dumber. And I was like, it's the same guys that did Dumb and Dumber. And I was like, dude, you got to see this movie. Because I on, I actually do love seeing movies alone. I just went to go see uh, the latest Scream movie by myself a couple of days ago. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I, lo I love seeing movies alone, too. Yeah, it doesn't bother me what, whatsoever, which is the complete opposite of my dad. My dad has never seen a movie by himself, ever in his life. He, he like, refuses to do it. He's like, that's a thing to do with other people. And I'm like... <laughs> No, no. I mean, you're sat, you're sitting there in the dark. You can't talk to each other. Like that's the whole point of a theater is that you can't yeah. talk over it. You're not supposed to take out your phone. And it's especially an odd thing for him to say because my mom cannot stay awake during a movie in the theater. <laughs> she uh, she has missed so many movies just falling asleep. Like she cannot <laughs> stay awake in a movie theater. She, and she say, she'll say that she'll be like, yeah. Hey, once those once those lights go off, it's, I'm gonna I'm napping. Yeah, it's just like a napping <laughs> space for her. And she like that would happen almost every single movie where like it would have to be a movie she was really into in order to stay awake. One that really sticks out to me, it was like right around the end of high school. And I went to go see Spy Kids. I remember being kind of embarrassed that I was going to see Spy Kids because <laughs> it was like a kid's movie. And I was like, but I, I really liked Robert Rodriguez because he directed uh, From Dusk Till Dawn. And I really liked that. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go see this movie and I'm not going to tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was very stupid of me because I don't think anyone would have cared. Yeah. I, I wasn't like, I wasn't really friends with a ton of people who were going to be like, man, you're what's lame as hell, you know, or give me a bunch of shit for it. 
but I'm not sure. I just, I just didn't feel like asking anyone to come with me. I really like going to see movies alone. Honestly, there's a very freeing feeling in my opinion. And I love that it's all, you're processing it all on your own. Cause I'm also a very, I'm not going to say I'm an empath at all. Don't worry. <laughs> but I, if, if I'm in a setting where some, someone else is clearly uncomfortable, I'm like, Oh no, it makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, Oh no. Like I don't want to be in that city, which is kind of insane that I do stand up comedy. Cause that happens <laughs> all the time. Yeah. But me personally, I'm not trying to like bother anyone. But if I'm in a setting where someone's clearly being upset by something, I'm like, Ooh, I get very uncomfortable as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, one movie I remember seeing and I was with my family. I went to go see Billy Madison. I loved Saturday Night Live at that time. I was a huge Chris Farley fan. Uh-huh. And so I would see almost, almost almost anything that was like related to Saturday Night Live sketches and stuff. There was another family. <laughs> my mom knew a woman at the theater and they I could tell that they were embarrassed to be seen at this like raunchy movie. Yeah. My mom was very like, like they're religious, you know, and like, they're like, oh no, it's someone from church and they know that we're at this <laughs> PG, oh, it's PG 13. And that movie does have a lot of like pretty raunchy shit in it. Yeah. And, Wait, um, but the church people were watching it too, or? Yeah. And I think that they were, <laughs> they were both, my, both my mom and, a, and the other mom, I could tell were like, like really uncomfortable with having seen each other at this movie yeah and so i could i couldn't really enjoy it like i would have because i could tell my mom was really like anytime something dirty happened she'd be like you know and i'm like god come on yeah so i i shouldn't let that affect me but it does something that i've found that bothers me in terms of seeing movies with other people it's only some people that do this but I've occasionally gone to a movie with a friend and found that they're the kind of person who whenever anything significant happens on screen they turn and look at me and stare at my face (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. he's like you're not supposed to be looking at my face you're supposed to be looking at the screen yeah (laughs) that makes me so uncomfortable (laughs) I went with uh, a friend I only saw a movie with this guy one time because of this i'd never seen a movie with him we went to go see black hawk down Uh and that movie's got some very intense like action scenes in it yeah and he could not he was having a really rough time with it and he would like grab my arm really hard and be like oh oh oh, he's he's clearly not having a good time and i i don't want to upset the guy yeah you know i I felt bad that i brought him to it yeah that and that's interesting too because i actually like it when people grab me in like a movie but not for because they're traumatized but more because like you're excited like something exciting is happening so you like grab each other's hand for a second like that's really Uh fun but don't stare at my face that's weird yeah oh totally yeah yeah yeah. and also it's like is my reaction gonna affect your reaction it's putting a certain kind it's it's putting like a weird like emotional pressure on you yeah it's like i I, that's what it feels like it feels like they're checking like are you reacting the correct way (laughs) i'm I'm probably not yeah and like that's why honestly like because i i love going to music like concerts and stuff like that if the person that i'm with isn't into the band i would much prefer not them not be there oh yeah because i was like i'm gonna have a good time i know i'm gonna have a good time yeah and if you're not then come on like it's just like (laughs) especially music shows for me because that's to me it's such an it's supposed to be such an emotional thing yeah Um, i love going to music shows alone too i discovered there's like a period of my life when i worked at the movie theater and that's when I was seeing oh, okay. a lot of movies alone because I could see them for free. So I was just seeing movies all the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I had just like moved friend groups. You know, I was in like a transitional period where I didn't have a lot of n- friends to hang out with regularly. And so I just started mm-hmm. doing all the stuff I normally did by myself. And I found out like, yeah. damn, this actually is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really is. What's a band that you've seen by yourself? I went to go see John Carpenter, the film director. Oh, he had a uh, music sh- uh, show where they because he does a lot of the scores for his films. I did not know that. Stuff. That's so cool. Yeah, he does a lot of the composing for most of his movies. Like he's stopped directing, but he he actually within the last like seven, eight years, he's released three albums called Lost Themes, which are like 
soundtracks to movies he didn't you know he he directed in his head basically so it's like it's in oh, the cool. style of his film composition work he's gone on tour with that a few times and they show clips of his movies and stuff while the scores are playing and it's fucking it's awesome that's amazing i want to go see this band called Per ubu at slims san francisco and when the lights came up jello biafra from the dead kennedys was right next to me the whole time oh my god which was kind of kind of neat i was like yeah. oh my god <laughs> like i recognized him immediately and i was like holy shit hey dude <laughs> i got like a picture <laughs> with him nice. um i don't go to as many concerts obviously as i as i go to uh the movies Tell me one of your favorite movies of all time and why. I was on this podcast maybe four or five months ago called Have a Drink With Me. And the guy hit me up and was like, hey, uh, what we do is you pick a type of drink. We pick a topic, whatever you want to talk about. And I was like, well, okay, I like Greyhounds. It's vodka, grapefruit juice. And let's talk about RoboCop. And uh, (laughs) that's also one of those movies, too, like the more I talk about it the more I think about it the more I enjoy it and more I get out of it and also I love listening to people's opinions on it like what they get out of it and all the different interpretations people have they're super interesting in my opinion like even if I don't agree with them I'm like that's awesome that that you're getting that out of it and I even if I don't think that that's what they were going for I think it's so cool that people can like look into certain things and like yeah just get something that for themselves like that's kind of what art is in a lot of ways like I, I listened to this whole thing about from like a trans person's perspective on the film about how they viewed it as like a, a allegory for the transgender Robocop? journey basically and yeah and oh wow I was like whoa this is super interesting and I could completely see what they how they got that and uh it was really cool and I was like whoa god I never ever would have like looked at it in this way on my own so it's really cool that someone saw it that way and yeah i just think it's fucking dope as hell and yeah um, i i agree and that's sort of the premise of my whole podcast so i yeah fully agree with you (laughs) is it's it's mm -hmm. so interesting to get into movies are an experience more than um for the most part more than just something that you stare at you know everyone processes and experiences them differently based on their own life story and based on their yeah. own life experiences and then just based on their own unique brain grapes. And I think that's yeah. such a fascinating thing to get into. That's uh-huh. why I do this podcast. Brain grapes. Why was the, why was the podcast <laughs> not called brain grapes? <laughs> Bring your own brain grapes. Because popcorn's grapes. tastier. <laughs> True. Well, Got wait a minute crunch. though. You said you worked at a movie theater, correct? Yeah. I, I, have you told me that before? I don't think I've told you that. Bringing your own popcorn into a movie theater is a, is very frowned upon. It is, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, you are reading too far into this title, okay, buddy? Yeah. Oh, I mean, so for the record, yeah, I don't endorse bringing food into the movie theater for one reason and one reason alone. And that is because movie theaters keep the electricity running and keep their workers paid through concession sales alone. They do not make any money off of the tickets. Every dollar from the ticket goes to the producers of the movie. So that's the main reason why it's important to buy popcorn at the theater. And that's why Mm -hmm. the popcorn is $10 for three kernels. Yep. That's what, you know what? I did not know because I worked at a movie theater too. And I did not know that until I started working there, that that's, that Same. was tr- the case. And like, yeah. I remember asking the manager, like, so how much of this, of the movie ticket do they, do we keep? And he was like, pretty much none. Yeah. Like the only, the only thing we're making money off of is uh concession sales basically. Yeah. Well, our manager would try to get us would use that as incentive for us to upsell because if you've ever worked in sales you know you're always supposed to upsell if they order a small try to get them to get a medium preferably a large but they would tell us like well it's going to your paycheck so you really want them to spend that extra two dollars like that's your motivation (laughs) to upsell Mm them wow yeah so funny how long did you work at the theater for two and a half years i think it was like 2013 to 2014 ish what about you yeah i was there must have been almost five years. Damn. Like 2011 into 20, early 2016. Oh, wow. What theater was that at? It was down in uh, Aptos. It's like a little bit south of Santa Cruz. Oh, okay. You know, working at the concession box office. And then I became a projectionist. Then I became the assistant manager. 
Damn. And then I became the man. Then I became the manager, and then they shut the place down. Like oh, a God. month after I became the manager. Wait, this is another theater you visited and then shut down. Is there a pattern? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> but, yeah, no. Like it was, it was sucked though. I was like, uh, yeah. You know, in a way though, like it was. It, that's kind of what got me out of Santa Cruz though, was, and I moved up to San Francisco, so it all worked out. It was, it was ended up being good in the long run, but it, it was sad to see that movie theater shut down because it was a really cool little theater. Yeah, what a bummer. I'll never forget that being in that theater with like all the seats torn out, like right before we locked the door. It was really like emotional for me. Yeah, how haunting. And like, I'm sure personally, like on a personal level, very emotional, but even just in the sense that movies are, movie theaters are community space. Like so many different people go through those doors and have so many different experiences and just ripping its guts out that's a that's an emotional experience absolutely this podcast is sponsored by podbean podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast we use podbean to host bring your own popcorn download the free podbean podcast app to start record and publish your very own podcast in minutes podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at podbean.com slash extra butter for your first 30 days of podcast of hosting for free. Check it out. Hi, my name is Milk Surface, and I'm one of the hosts of Nymphomercial, a hentai podcast. I'm also the producer of Radio Flom. But I'm just stopping by really quick because your host, Mixtape, wanted to give you a break from listening to her voice for a minute. Coming up next, though, is yet another ad featuring Mixtape's voice for her other podcast. That's right. She's on another one. You should definitely go listen to it, whatever it is. Although I know. I know it's good. Also, listen to Nymphomarshall if you know what's good for you. Sorry, Mixtape actually held me at Slingshot Point to say that specifically. But anyways... Remember, bring your own popcorn. I'm Aubrey. I'm Dennis. And I'm Johnny. Every other Tuesday, we take an in-depth and humorous look at different comic books. We're talking indie comics. Capes and cows. And everything in between. Graphic Novel Explorers Club is available on all platforms. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends, you nerd. (laughs) The movie that we are talking about tonight, selected by one Chad Opitz, is a film that holds the Guinness World Record for longest time between sequels, released 46 years (laughs) released 46 years after the original film. Wow. This film, the genre of which I would best describe as a children's horror film, perhaps yeah. perhaps the only of its kind. This film was nominated for Best Visual Effects the year that it was released in 1985. It did lose to, to Cocoon, also a, a great film. The movie that we are talking about tonight is Return to Oz. Selected by Mr. Opitz. Chad, please give me a brief summary of your chosen movie in your own words. I like that you said there was a children's horror f- film because that's kind <laughs> that's kind of how I see it too. Way darker in tone than the original. It starts off after Dorothy has gotten back to Kansas. Her and her Auntie M and Uncle are they live in this like kind of a dumpy ramshackle house because you know their house is now in Oz because the tornado that picked it up and took it there, and she's getting all these like what she thinks are warnings that something is going wrong in Oz, and she has she she wants to go back and help her friends out. Her her aunt and uncle just think she's crazy, and so they take her to a electrotherapist for help. You know, that's not a good time. So she <laughs> she eventually escapes and ends up back in Oz, where it has been taken over by the Gnome King and her and her, her trusty new sidekick, a talking chicken named Belina, have to uh, team up with some new friends in order to find her old friends and return Oz to its former glory. Hope I did okay with that. 
Yeah, it was great. Succinct, covered all the the main points. And I got to say talking chicken, which is always nice. <laughs> yeah, not only is the phrase talking chicken funny, every time that chicken talks is yeah. hilarious. Oh, Doesn't yeah. matter what she says, their voice great is voice. hysterical. <laughs> oh yeah. But Dorothy. <laughs> very yeah. uh neurotic chicken voice. I especially love at the very end of the movie, the chicken decides to stay in Oz. Yeah. She she basically (laughs) says like, I'm not going back to that hell hole. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was a smart move. It was. I mean, I kind of, I don't really get why Dorothy went back again. You're crazy, Dorothy. It's like, what? They were just trying to like lock you up and (laughs) get, give you electrotherapy. And you're like, I got to get back to that good life. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Although I will say that the relationship between Dorothy and her aunt and uncle, I think is actually really sweet and kind of refreshing because yeah. I feel yeah. like you see a lot of like cold sort of standoffish parent child relationships, but they didn't know, like they really wanted her to be safe and they had no idea that she was going to go be tortured in this That's true. insane yeah. asylum. And then when they do find her, they're like very emotional and just like hugging her and carrying her around. Mm-hmm. I-, I liked that yeah. touch. Mm hmm. That's true. Like you said, like it's children's horror movie in a way. I'm not sure if that's what they were going for. There's a lot of imagery in this that's very intense and jarring. And I remember as a kid, it really like, I was like, oh my God, this is especially the wheelers. Yes. Really freaked me out. And the Princess Mombi's uh, head collection was extremely unnerving. And that scene where the heads just started screaming, woo, that scared me, but good as a kid. Yeah, so many scary moments in this. Those are definitely the the scariest, which ha- I think has a lot to do with the fact that this film was directed and written by Walter Murch, whose other films include THX 1138, George Lucas, Apocalypse Now, <laughs> all, all of the Godfather movies. Well, he was, wasn't he like the main editor? Well, he was like an editing guy, I think. Um, yeah, I actually don't, I didn't write down what he what role he had these are just the ones that the most prominent films he worked on okay so american graffiti the conversation the english patient patient so you can see that those are the kind of movies that he was working on not yeah. so much children's no <laughs> oh yeah yeah he's a very odd choice to direct this movie in my opinion very much so and it came about kind of because disney productions bought the film rights to the oz books written by shit what's that guy's name Frank Baum, I want to say. Frank Baum, yes. And they had bought them in 1954. And so by the time that this rolled around, they were almost in the public domain. So they were just kind of like, shit, we got to make a movie. And Walter (laughs) Murch happened to be there. And he was like, hey, I've been wanting to make a movie loosely based on some of his books. And they're like, yeah, have at it. And they actually didn't like what he did at first and fired him. Yeah, that's wild. I did not know that. Like he was not, he was having like a nervous breakdown or something too. He was like, he like didn't even fight him on it. And then finally, like his buddies, George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola were like, no, bring him back. Yeah. And he was like, okay. It sounded yeah. like he wasn't meant to be a movie director, honestly. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I guess George Lucas um, said, bring him back. And if it's really not working out, then I'll direct it. And so that's why they brought him back. Wow. That's wild. Because I don't even think George Lucas likes directing. Yeah. <laughs> He's like famously like didn't want to do the sequels to Star Wars. And- so yeah, he didn't, that's why he didn't direct uh, Empire or uh, oh. Return of the Jedi, because he was just like, eh, let someone else do it. He likes coming up with ideas and stuff, but doesn't like actually being like the guy behind the camera. Yeah, well, I think the less power George Lucas has, the better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he is an sure. idea man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> he knows that too, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I can imagine the kind of pushback that merch probably was again was up against with how dark the story is and how just non-Disney it is. And yeah. I think it's especially ironic that they released this movie in 1985, which was just a few years after Don Bluth of Don Bluth Productions famously left Disney. He left them in 1979. He split off from them with a bunch of other animators who were very disillusioned with Disney for a lot of reasons. But one of those reasons was that Don Bluth was really pushing to turn uh, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim into a movie. Oh, oh yeah. And Disney just kept shooting him down and saying, no, that story's too dark, way too dark. You know, oh. a, a mouse dies in that book. And then yeah. the green light returned to Oz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little girl is almost tortured and electrocuted to death. And uh-huh. 
at the beginning of the movie, you think that her friend drowns in the river and you don't know until yeah. much later that she didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until way later. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's fine. But the mouse dying. No, that was. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense because it's Disney. They're like, we got to protect the mice. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Okay. <laughs> we can't have any mice harm in our films. <laughs> yeah. Come on. That's our whole. That's our baby right there. Yeah. But man, some of the imagery in this, like the wheelers, man, like I remember like just being super scared of them, that their, their laugh mm-hmm. and the, even the noise, the noise of like the, the creaky, we, it was just, man. And like, they have those masks on the top of their heads. And then when they lift them up, so there's like a monster head. And then when they bring their heads up, they look like scary members of like British punk bands yeah. or something like that. So it's like, yeah. it's like even just as frightening in a way, but goddamn, it's just, uh, that got, that those got me real bad too, as a kid. And I remember, cause I, I love horror movies now. And this was sort of like an introduction to that sort of like world. Totally. And uh, I, I, it really did like scare me, but I kind of liked it. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I was, I would gravitate towards trying to see, things that would give me that sort of feeling, I guess. And I know from having seen your social media posts about the kind of movies that you like, that you're a horror fan. And I think this movie makes a lot of sense as being something that probably legitimately introduced children to the concepts of horror. And it Mm -hmm. is like, even as an adult, I found the wheelers frightening. (laughs) I got like a shiver down my spine. (laughs) Mm, They're really unsettling looking. Yeah. The actors for the wheelers, very theatrical. They did such a good job. Yeah, I didn't even know. This is something I learned like a couple days ago, too, when I rewatched this and was looking up information on it. The head Wheeler guy was um, apparently like the voice and body model for Domino's The Noid. Oh, my gosh. I was just (laughs) thinking about The Noid. (laughs) Which is so crazy. Like when I read that, I laughed so hard. I'm like, what? That dude was The Noid? That's so funny. That's so funny. And I guess he was like a, you know, a puppeteer. He did a lot of puppeteer work and stuff. Something else I like about this movie is that like a lot of, uh, most of the um, people who do the puppeteering also do the voices. Like Jack Pumpkinhead was voiced by Brian Henson, who's Jim Henson's son. Yeah. And he did the puppeteering for that. And same with uh, this guy, Lyle Conway, who did like the gump, the like moose head. Oh, huh. He, he did the puppeteering for that and he did the voice. Oh, how and that, cool. That guy is an amazing creature creator. He did the um, Audrey 2 for Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, nice. Which I think is one of the coolest like movie puppets like ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just awesome that he was involved with that, in my opinion. Yeah. I didn't even know he did voice work. And I believe that Lyle Conway, he split off from Henson Productions, didn't he? Because didn't he also work on like Labyrinth and such? And But then he split I, off I to start so. his own company. And he yeah, yeah, yeah. He did dark. He was doing stuff on Dark Crystal, I think. And yeah. Then he then he split off and did this, and then he did uh, a year after he did Little Shop of Horrors. Then he did uh, the Blob remake. Nice. Wait. So if Jim Henson's son was working on it, I wonder if there was any tension, or was Jim had Jim passed away at this point? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think didn't Jim pass away like like nineteen ninety or something like that? So I think this was like four or five years before that. That'd be funny if there was like animosity. Though this is the this 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 movie is what drove them apart. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It was I'm five years later. On, yeah, I'm gonna work on Return to Oz, Dad. Like, hey, you <laughs> you better not come back to Jim Henson Productions. That'd be crazy. And then this movie was just like a big bomb. Yeah. I told you. Like, oh. Yeah, it had a, t- a budget of $28 million and sadly only grossed $11.1 million, which was considered a dismal failure at the time. Yeah, I think it's just kind of, the tone is too bizarre for like American audiences. Yeah, um, and I think people um, were just not expecting that from Disney. No, and like people already have such, Wizard of Oz is such an iconic movie and people have like a preconceived notion of what they're going to be in store for. You know, yeah. and this movie did not do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It was like a big, big risk financially. It did not work out. Yeah, I could see people also being just startled by how different it is. Like they made no effort to cast a Dorothy that looks like. No. Dorothy from the first movie. How old was Judy Garland in that movie? She had to have I been know. at least 15 or 16, right? Yeah, well. Uh, she was, you're correct. And, but I totally thought that she was like 28 <laughs> and I Googled it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, she went from like 28 to actually 10. And then it was like, oh no, she was 17. 
Okay, okay. Which is still, I mean, God, how wasn't Frazier Bakke like nine or ten? Yeah, she's like an actual child, so she just for yeah. some reason aged backwards because it's more faithful to the books than to the movie. Yes, ironically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I do remember like um, this movie made me want to read more of those books, and I remember when I was younger, I I, I read some of them because of this movie. Because I was like, oh, it's more like faithful to the books. I want to check it, check those out then. Yeah, I read them too as a kid. They're and yeah, yeah. I remember them being dark. Yeah, and like like the old Grimm's fairy tales and stuff like that. And uh, the Dorothy was significantly younger in the books than she was portrayed in the uh, original movie. Yeah, getting into your experience of this movie over time, do you mm-hmm. remember the first time you watched this movie? Where you were? Who you were with? What was your response? Um, then? I do. I mean, I was, I must've been really young. It was on video. I think I got it from the library because nice. I would, I would get movies from the library all the time when I was, when I was like 10 and under. So I must've been seven or eight, I'm guessing maybe even younger than that. And wow. uh, I got, I got this from the library and I was not expecting it to be scary <laughs> Yeah, because I'd seen, I'd seen wizard of Oz because that used to air on TV a lot that would be on like abc family picture of the week wizard of oz <laughs> and um that that one did not scare me at all and so i thought oh, okay this is gonna be a... and i liked wizard of oz a lot i was like it's gonna be some more similar in tone to that and right away you can tell it's like not it's not the same type of movie and they're the tone is is completely different um you know the scenes in the hospital are unsettling and mm-hmm. You know, you really think that she's in danger. The woman that works, who ends up being Princess Mombi in uh, Oz, is scary um, in a different way than like the Wicked Witch of the West was, where the Wicked Witch of the West was like very over the top and what you kind of expect like a cartoon villain to be or whatever. And this felt a lot more like just unsettling and real. Um, yeah, and you felt like there was legitimate danger involved. Yeah. I, I must have watched it with my family. Um, I can't remember exactly who was with me, though. But I, I remember my my feelings on it. I, I did really like it, but it also did freak me out. But I rented it again not long after because it left an impression on me. And I, I wanted to see some of that imagery again. Um, and there was actually another Disney film that came out a few years before this one that I saw later, but it's sort of a similar tone, which is called something wicked this way comes. Oh yeah. And that one's also got like a really creepy ending and like a carnival where like, like the carnival just keeps spinning around and it ends up like t- turning someone into just like a skeleton and like rips their like skin off. And they just oh become my a God. skeleton. And it's really, as a kid, I was like, Oh my God, this is a Disney movie. Once again, but Disney has- was telling Don Bluth that the yeah. secret of Nim was too dark. <laughs> <laughs> but you might, again, you might be right on with the whole m- mouse thing. <laughs> yeah, could be. You know, they were like, I got to stay with, we can do it to kids, <laughs> but you keep mice out of this danger, you know? Yeah. So even though I was kind of repulsed by some of the imagery, it's still like stuck in my head and I wanted to see more stuff like that. And it drew me to like seek out other types of movies that were, you know, a bit more you know, harsher edged, I guess, even though I didn't really start getting into horror movies till later, I would seek out, you know, even if it's not Ernest Scared Stupid, something like that. It's got horror elements, uh, Adam's Family, Adam's Family Values, that sort of stuff, because yeah. there's like, a, there's there's elements of horror in there, and but they're still able to be fairly easily digested by uh, younger people. This is kind of a gateway into me seeking out movies of like a darker nature, I guess. Yeah. That kind of hit of adrenaline, which I think is so interesting that cause like even for kids, they'll have different reactions because some kids response to being scared is like curiosity. And I think that yeah. probably speaks from what you're saying. It sounds like your parents gave you like a very secure kind of stable environment to explore. So when you got mm-hmm. scared, it was like, Oh, what is this feeling? Tell me more. Let's examine oh, yeah. this. They did know that there was definitely certain things I shouldn't be watching though. Like I remember yeah. my dad, one of the movies he had rented was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And he was like, you oh, cannot shit. watch, you can't watch this. You can't watch <laughs> no. this. And I was like, 
well, now I really want to watch it. <laughs> I'd gone to bed, in quotation marks. I snuck down the stairs and watched some of it while my parents are watching it. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, it freaked me out so bad. And like, I was could not sleep that whole night. And I remember Aww. like, it was in the middle of the night, I like knocked on my parents' bed bedroom door and was like, I can't go to bed. And they're like, they <laughs> they knew exactly what happened. They're like, of course. Did you did you sneak down and watch some of that movie? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, do not do that because you're gonna you know freak yourself out and then you're gonna bother us. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and um, but I was always just very curious about it. And like, what is what is that? Like, why why can't I see it? And they knew that that there's a certain point. You know, I could I could go to bed after return to Oz, it would still scare me, but it didn't, it, it didn't keep me up like friggin' fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre did. Yeah. It's a, certainly a different kind of scary. Cause, and I think that yeah. the, the scariest moments of it, fortunately are very fantastical. So like the wheelers are scary as hell, but also you don't think you're going to run into them on the street. Yeah. 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 True. Unlike the Texas Chainsaw. He's just a guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I've seen a chainsaw. There's yeah. A chainsaw. That was out in a sh- in a shed by our house. <laughs> so what he's using to kill people is like it's around. Yeah, you know another one. A one that really it was PG thirteen. So my parents let me rent it when I was like God eight or nine. Was uh, Tremors? Remember oh, I love Have Tremors. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And again, that was another one where like I could sleep at night, but it also did like freak me out. And mm, yeah. I would like play. Me and my buddy Trevor would like after we watched it, we would like try and do the thing where we go outside, but we couldn't touch the ground. So we try and like jump on stuff. And it was ended up being like really dangerous to be jumping on rocks and trees and shit. And it's like, dude, we could have easily gotten hurt, yeah. but thankfully it worked out that we didn't, but that That's... movie had a big, a big impression on me too, of like kind of like a gateway thing where it's like that one, even more so for sure than return to Oz is like, that's definitely in the world of horror. Yeah, that's another sort of gentle introduction because it's it's very scary, but not as in your face as like Texas Chainsaw yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it is like one of those, you know, it's creatures. It's not like a real thing that could happen. Right. Um, and there, there's definitely some, some, a little bit of, you know, there's like a, where the guy's head is in the ground and it's assumed that like the rest of his body's not there. Right. You know? But um, so it freaks you out, but it doesn't show you too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love what you were saying about as soon as your parents tell you you're not supposed to see a movie. I had a similar experience, but I think I was a little bit older. I was like 12 and um, my mom's boyfriend had moved in and had brought like his DVD collection to add to ours. And so Mm -hmm. I was flipping through it to see like something to watch and there's a couple on there where they were like, oh, yeah, you're not allowed to watch those. And I was like, OK, <laughs> knowing in yeah. my head, as soon as they were gone, I was going to watch them. Of course. <laughs> and I did. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Do the you Ameri- remember the movie? Yeah, it was American Beauty. I wasn't supposed to watch it. OK. The anime Akira. Oh, yeah. wow. OK. Um, And I think L.A. Confidential might have been that in there. But yeah, I just got okay. I would just watch them every time they left. I just watch them on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> did you like them? I loved them. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, how old were you at that point? Like 12, I think maybe 11. All right. So that's God. Yeah. That's right on the verge. Cause yeah. I was, that was actually like, I think I was around 10, 10, 11 when my parents at some point were just kind of like, well, he's going to watch what he wants to watch. <laughs> like oh, yeah. that's when I started, you know, I would convince my parents to take me to R rated movies. Cause I loved action movies at that point. You know, I went to go see the movie speed and nice. uh, true lies. My dad or mom would go. I started going alone to movies um, and seeing R-rated movies by myself earlier than like 17 for sure. Oh, wow. My dad took me to go see time cop and there was like <laughs> a full, there's a full frontal like female nude scene. And I was so uncomfortable because of my dad was there yeah and i was like oh no i was just like oh <laughs> i didn't know that was gonna happen in a jean-claude van damme movie i don't know <laughs> yeah and uh i was just like oh shit oh no how would you say this movie changed or affected your life overall um it made me want to seek out like i said seek out more uh films with 
kind of like darker tones. I hadn't seen a lot of movies with this sort of feel that this one does, where it's like, it's definitely a children's film, but it's it's got a harsher tone to it. And, and um, there's definitely imagery in it that is like unsettling. And I wanted to see more stuff like that. And it like led me to seek out movies with more of a, just a, yeah, a harsher edge to them. Another one that was kind of like that was uh, The Brave Little Toaster. Oh, Did you yeah. Ever see that? Yeah. And I, there's also like at the end of that movie, there's a lot of really kind of scary stuff mm-hmm. for like a kid's movie where like, oh, my God, because I was very emotionally attached to those appliances. <laughs> yeah. And um, I did not want them to get hurt. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, no. But like it was it, it, it gave me a thrill and I, I wanted to seek out more things that would give me that sort of feeling. Another example was a film called Dead Alive, which is one of Peter Jackson's early movies. Oh, yeah. And that movie is so unbelievably gory, but it's also so funny and goofy. (laughs) And I loved it so much. I have to see more movies that give me this sort of feeling. That's what Return to Oz did, too. And it made me want to watch more films that gave me that sort of specific kind of like thrill you know i would look for movies that were pg but also had elements of like horror and uh sci-fi and fantasy things of that nature and i that still continues to this day in fact i was hanging out with some comedians last night after a show and it somehow came to a topic like one of them mentioned a movie that was like they're like man that's the most fucked up movie i've ever seen and i was like Let's go into this. Let, let what tell me what the most fucked up movie you've seen is. Blah 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 blah. blah. What was it that you, you were disturbed by? And I think I can handle movies. I can handle fucked up movies better than a lot of people. I think, mm. and I don't let it like get to me because I know it's fiction. And if a movie disturbs me and like freaks me out, then I it actually weirdly enough a lot of the time it makes me like happy, and I am glad that a piece of art made me feel that way Mm. and I appreciate I appreciate it and even if a movie makes me depressed like that it doesn't do it for very long and then I like the movie I'm like wow that's what they were going for that's the uh response that they were trying to do and it worked and that makes me feel good uh like an example of that was uh, Uncut Gems that Mm. Adam Sandler movie where because it was super uh tense and like i remember being like oh my god i'm just like this is i'm uncomfortable and like but that made me happy like after the movie i remember leaving the theater just being like fuck that was they they got me yeah you know and that's what they wanted to do i i thought that that was awesome and i really appreciate films that uh can make you feel bad that's awesome that's kind of sometimes that's what art does and uh if it works that way, uh, it makes me feel good afterwards too. I love yeah. that. That's, that's a great perspective. Movies aren't supposed to exclusively make you feel good. They're supposed to make you feel something, you know? Right. Well, I think that touches on something that I find really interesting, which is the different way that people have their experiences with, with movies, because some people really just want to see entertainment on the screen and they don't want to be touched. Like they don't want to have yeah these big emotions or it's entirely escapism and they just want to escape into like a fantasy life. And then there's other Uh people who like really see it as an art form and they, they want to be compelled and they want to experience, you know, different feelings and perspectives that they couldn't without, without uh, interacting with this art form. A lot of my family members are like that. Like my brother has a real hard time watching anything. That's not just kind of fluff. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, if it's, if it's going to like challenge your mindset, no, there's no, <laughs> he is not interested in it. You know, honestly, a lot of my favorite art in general is stuff that I don't necessarily agree with, but I'm like, wow, if I can, if I can, um, enjoy something that I, that I disagree with, I, I kind of like it more because I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't agree with what they're trying to say. But man, I still had fun with that or enjoyed it. And I'm glad I heard it. And it doesn't, it's not dissuading because I have an I have my opinion already. I'm not going to be persuaded by by the, a movie or something. But if I can watch that and still enjoy it, wow, that's, that's awesome, in my opinion. Do you have any 
final last words that you would like to say to convince the person listening to this right now in podcast world on why they should watch Return to Oz? Yeah, I mean, if you, I would say even as an adult, it's definitely worth watching. Um, I definitely got more of like a thrill from it when I was a kid because I had not seen a lot of um, darker films. Uh, but if you can remember how you felt as a kid watching a movie while you're watching Return to Oz, I think you can get a lot out of it, which I actually did when I was rewatching it. And I was like, man, no, I, I do remember why I liked this so much or why I, I found it so memorable, especially considering the fact that it's a sequel to Wizard of Oz and just that concept that it's a very bold movie. And it's it's kind of crazy that it even got made. Yeah, because I don't think I don't think a, a lot of uh, studios would be down to make a, a sequel so many years later to some a film that is such a, a iconic like piece of art for especially for American audiences and do it kind of drastically differently. I do not think a lot of people would invest in that now. And I, I so I think it was it's awesome that it even exists and um, watch it for because I'm a huge fan of practical, you know, puppetry and makeup work and stuff like that. And there's a ton of that in this movie, along with like cool, weird stop motion animation. And if you're yes. a fan of like, like bizarre, older practical effects, there's this movie's chock full of that stuff. And I think oh, yeah. you have a really, really good time with it. Yeah, the effects are so cool. Yeah. I love all the rocks. Like the rock faces are so cool. They are. They reminded me a lot of a uh, Frank Miller art. Oh yeah. You know, they did like dark Knight returns. It's really like gritty and mm-hmm. weird and really sinister. Yeah. Well, this has been a wonderful chat. Thank you so much for being on Chad. A wonderful Thank Chad you. chat. Yeah. A Chad, a classic Chad <laughs> chat. Uh, if folks would like to find more of you online or in person, how could they do that? Uh, I'm on, you know, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Chad Opitz, uh, C-H-A-D-O-P-I-T-Z. And uh, my website is www.chadopitz.com. And I try and keep that updated with uh, shows that I'll be on, though I've not been as good at that since COVID. But mm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Instagram, Instagram's probably the best. <laughs> one because i'll post up where i'll be on instagram pretty frequently thank you cool thank you thank you this has been really fun